0: Welcome back to the Book and Life Podcast. Today, we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know. So you're in for one hell of a ride. But today, I just have to uh, do the adverts. And then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as, as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss, at odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the Immortals' plan for world domination. But Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation? Who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her roman british crime series which was written under her maiden name all editions can be found online where all books are sold even her agents donating her commission sorry i don't have the blurb for that but uh, that's that's what she's doing and now without further ado let's get you to the guests Hi guys, I promised you a bestseller who will blow your mind, and of course, I couldn't think of anyone better than Jason Wrench. I know that our reader, like our, I always say readership when it's obviously audio. I don't get that, but I know our listeners will be super excited to have you on. We've, we have every kind of author on, like from all over the world, so we have some really bizarre areas where this is popular. Last time I checked, it was Texas. We had Russia. We had, um, sort of Middle East. Uh, you would just be totally blown away by some of the people that listen in. It's crazy. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I, I had like, I think five books sell in Russia and I'm like, really? Like, you've heard of me in Russia? Like, how? I'm pretty sure I've never been on any Russian media, like, that I'm aware of. So, you never know. Somebody might recommend and then, you know. But my co-author has wrestled in Russia, so it could have been, could have been something as simple as that. So, yeah. So tell us about your book. Your latest book. <laughs> yes. Exactly. It's funny you say that because um, I'm connected into the wrestling world. So I've heard of Woodstock, New York. And it's basically really burly country guys who've lived there for a period of time or were born there for a period of time. And they kind of go oh yeah from woodstock new york and you just see them coming out and they're just like huge because like all they do when they go home is like you know all the forestry stuff and things like that and i'm like wow you guys like that's scary i come from a rural town myself and everyone thinks that we have no electricity and live in caves and all the myths you could imagine right um and actually, we're really intelligent. We've got lots of inventors that stay aside us because there's there's not so much pokey-nose, kind of everybody-in-their-business kind of thing. But there is an element to that if you're female. Like, if you're female, everybody's in your business. But if you're a male, no. <laughs> they could care less. So there's kind of like that parallel worlds. And I love what you're saying about that. Because I grew up with fishing, you know, kids that were born into fishing families so like their dads would be gone for you know half the year and then they would come back and the, even like that like their attitudes would be different depending if their parents were home like i could tell when the guys were out fishing because the boys would just come to school and they would be crazy and they'd be over the top and they would just be running miles an hour and jumping over things right and then when their dads were home, they would be coming in all smart, hair perfect, and, you know, just, like, posh looking, and I'm like, is this the same kid? Like, <laughs> so yeah, I, I understand parallel worlds, um, and I like actually writing about my hometown too. I think that's, like, a thing all of us authors, we all eventually start writing about where we came from. Oh, wow. i yeah. imagine but it also must be so beautiful out there too <laughs> I love that it's like yeah, it's a swamp <laughs> yeah yeah I know that feeling. I know that feeling so well. I, I, when I ever stayed with my grandmother, um, you couldn't hang the washing out because the otters would come up the steps and climb over the wall. And they used to have like a, a little bit where there were steps at the back of her apartment so you could go down and get into the boats to go fish. And they would climb up and they would chase you around the garden and they would try and bite you. So every time you went to hang out the clothes, you had to take a tin a tin of tuna or whatever you could get and like open it take the lid off and set it in the grass run back into the house to grab your washing and you would have to get your washing out pinned up and back in there before they finish the tin no I have not heard of it either and then she's like don't get bit because like they have all kinds of stuff in their mouths and stuff and I'm like Okay. Are you sure this is safe? (laughs) This is like I haven't found anything I could use it in yet. So I'm like, it's it's on my little little thing. I'm thinking of putting it in uh, my new historical romance that's coming out, which is called Walls Manor. Um, and I think that would be kind of cool having, you know, this little maid running and hiding from these otters. Um but you in the olden days they used to kill the otters. So yeah. 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 I mean, I make the joke to my friends in wrestling, I'm like, it's safer to be around all of you than it is to be in the islands of Shetland. And they look at you and they're like, how? And I'm like, well, there's orcas that kind of come in and kill anything that's in the bays, and, you know, we've got seals that try and hump you while you're swimming, and like the The ocean has taken a lot of people over the years. Like somebody could be walking along the the, the pay, you know, the pier in the harbor, and they get swept away. Um, so you always have to be aware of nature in childhood Like you always have to be kind of aware. Um, my uncle was once. This is a really fun story. Uh, he got really drunk and he was in his caravan on the top of a hill, and they had a hundred and. Yeah. Well, it was actually the only days that he survived, which I'm still trying to work out to this day. So he was in his caravan on the top of the hill. They got hit with 130 mile an hour winds out of nowhere. And it blew his caravan and his motorcycle over the hill, like the top of the hill, and down the golf course that was there. And they came to rest at the stone walls that stops people from falling off the cliffs. Um... And they think because he was drunk, he just sort of rolled with the caravan. So when he woke up, he had no motorbike, no walls of his caravan, <laughs> and he was still in bed with his like, blanket and everything. I'm like, how? How did you survive that? Like, just. Yeah, so my my mother and father came up. They were terrified, though, because they knew the campsite had been blown away. Came up and they literally found him snoring in the debris of his car (laughs) so yeah yeah see in Shetland like if the wind picks up you're just like meh you know like you don't really pay attention until the windows start to threaten to come in and then you're like hmm what do I do now (laughs) but yeah like growing up wind was like 60 mile an hour daily like you just always had this strong gusty wind Um, and I don't think that's why we're all so short because we're all like bent over to get anywhere you know it's crazy and funnily enough Shetland is known for some of the best stonemason work in the world because some of the Shetlanders actually were in Venice and built Venice and if you actually look at Shetland's um, harbour front, there's a town called Larwick all the buildings come out of the ocean as you're coming in. And it, it's such an incredible thing to see like just the hotel is like all stone coming out the o- out the water. And it's like it just takes your breath away. Even the Coast Guard the Coast Guard's little um, house it has a built in drop ramp. And that's literally built out of the water and it's all stone and it's been there for hundreds of years well, Charlendale still does so there's yeah, I mean everything they've built like Fort Charlotte was a military base um, and they created that during the clearances and that's still there it's built literally on top of a cliff with stone It's never going to fall down. It's never going to go anywhere. Um, Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know that because like, when I stayed with my parents recently there was a hole like the size of a football like a UK football, a US football like a Nigel huge hole and they had mice, they had no idea they had mice and my cats were up with me and they were going just absolutely crazy and we couldn't figure out and they were putting their scent down in certain spots in the house and I'm like apologizing to my mom like oh my god I'm so sorry um and then Ian went downstairs and it's a stone house with like all of its stone and here was this great big hole and we don't know if it's been chewed like they've chewed through it or what's happened but it was so big he had to like get new bricks and stone thank god my my uh, partner he was a stone like he worked in joinery and shop fitting and stuff like that and he filled the hole so they couldn't get back in but the problem was they were still in the basement (laughs) so yeah well funnily enough get a cat seriously well i would put the snakes yeah put the snakes in the basement they'll be gone trust me you'll have very happy fat snakes and they'll be gone You should just put that in a story like that could be your next one like guy saves woman from snake pit basement or that could be a really good horror story like if you wanted to do serial killer that would be like fed victims to snakes <laughs> that's what went through my head too i'm like whoa <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, um, there was somebody in Florida that found a twelve-foot snake, and it was literally as thick as an American football. And it just slid across his lawn like it. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're lucky on that one. you don't have a mice problem yeah I mean well if you think about it like you at least you don't have mice eating your food you know yeah well for us we I mean I grew up with whales seals um and there's this seal in Larwick. And he is so huge like he's honestly like 800 pounds Right, but he taxes the fishing boats as they're coming in (laughs) so he'll like sit and he waits and he watches and he knows the boats that have fish on them and he'll wait and he'll like swim up behind and he jumps onto the back of the boat and of course the boat then sinks down because he's sitting on the end of the boat and then he sits there till they give him at least one fish and then he leaves and then he taxes the next one and he's he is and how he has avoided the whale is hilarious. He sees the whale coming in and he just jumps up onto the the pier and he just lies it. as if to say you're not getting me. He's the most famous seal in Jatlin He's also the most best fed fucking seal in Jatlin You know, he and he loves chippies. Oh, he's worse than seagulls. If you've got a chippy and you're sitting on the pier, he'll come up and sit right next to you. A chippy is, um, fries and fish that's been, like, battered and deep-fried. So over here we call them chippies, because they look like, because fries are chips over here. And he will sit like a dog next to you. And the only way to get rid of him is to give him half a fish. <laughs> so. The little the restaurants around Larwick, they'll give you two fishes in your suppers now. Because they know you'll get taxed if you die at the pier. <laughs> so it's almost like to make up for the fact that they know you're gonna get mugged by a seal. You know? Oh, he's hilarious. It is a little bit. Like, I, I'm just waiting for him to mate with somebody and then we'll have, like, two. You know? Like, I'm just like, oh. So yeah, but um, when I stay with my my parents, the orcas came into the bay, and I'm like, "There's no seals in this bay, like, why are they here?" And then the next thing I saw was just the the water turned red. So obviously there was seals hiding, but we couldn't see them, but they did, and it was just red, just like, and it it was red for days. I've never seen anything like it. Um and we have like a special marine group that checks on the whales because you're not allowed to hunt them beside us so so the population's been getting bigger and bigger and they try and they figure out the size of the whale and it's crazy because they'll like do these special measurements and stuff and they're like three times the size that that they've been in years because they're so well thick And I'm like, because just Shetland's a great place for seals to mate. And they, there's a, we don't get a lot of sun during the winter, so you never see them during the winter, but they get so much feed during the summer that they can almost hibernate during the winter. And it's incredible. Like, you could never go to a beach and just swim in Shetland without getting nipped by seals or a seal trying to lie on your back while you're swimming. You learn to swim faster than them. It was that kind of case, you had to. Yeah, like don't ever wear fluorescent colors. That that was like one of our first lessons. Like, we all got survival sea skills as kids, and one of the first thing our instructor said was never ever wear bright colors, in the ocean. And I'm like, but wouldn't that be easier for the coast guard to find you if you get like sucked out to sea? And they're like, yeah, but there's a bigger issue. And I was like, what's that, and he's Like seals. And my mom didn't believe the instructor, so she went out with these big, full essence C fins. Well, let's just say she didn't have fins when she came back. <laughs> she had, like, teeth marks all the way up her feet. And when the seals kept nipping her. And the other problem was they bit through the, the dry suit, so the water started coming in the dry suit. <laughs> she was very wet by the time I saw her. And very grumpy. <laughs> Yes, she was a she was a diver. So like, that was like the thing in Shetland is the seafood, is amazing. You get oysters and fresh fish, and none of it's frozen. So you get really spoiled, um, and it's weird because my partner he doesn't eat fish and he doesn't eat anything from the ocean, and we go up there and everything on the menu is like seafood or fish or. And he's like, I'll have a burger, because, like, there's nothing else on the menu. He's like, oh, I'll have a burger. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, if you're in an area where there's boats coming in and out all the time, it's just normal for locals to always eat fish, or at least eat fish two or three times a week. So Ian got, got used to people giving him funny looks when he said he didn't eat fish at all. Um, so yeah, it's weird, but we're also, we also lived in a place where if the weather got bad, you didn't get any boats in. So there's a reason that we have, um, deep freezes in our house that are like the size of coffins and we call them coffin drops. and you fill them throughout the year with as much food and vegetables and things that you want to keep. And then during the winter if the weather's bad you don't need to worry because it's either tinned, jammed, or in the deep freeze. And yeah, you can get over that. Like the farmers will sell their cows and sheep to the locals before they'll ever sell it anywhere else. So yeah, my mom got a phone call and they're like, Uh yeah, do you want a whole cow? It's sixty pounds and I'm like, sixty pounds for a whole cow if you can't you can't buy that in a in a supermarket like you know you can't get a whole cow for that kind of money and uh, so Ian just was just completely blown away by this entire massive cow that got delivered to my parents' house you know and he's like they're like oh well you got plenty of beef to eat and Ian's like I don't eat mince I barely eat steaks I only eat burgers so me and my mom just sat about and make make beef burgers so that he actually had something to eat. Yeah, like, and luckily my mom's a chef. um, So we were just like in the kitchen getting just like stuff ready and things like that. And she worked in a care home so we really had to like divide up the time. And then COVID hit. And I was locked in the home. Like, my husband was locked in the home. My dad couldn't really go to work either. So it was mental. Just yeah it's crazy we got locked in I don't know if you did but um, we weren't allowed to go from island to island we had to stay on the mainland um, you know we couldn't go anywhere it was crazy and my partner was going store crazy because he comes from mainland Scotland where you can go anywhere you want at any time and he couldn't you know we could only go to one end of the island or the other and we couldn't really you weren't really supposed to be driving around. Yeah, so the first lockdown was a long, si- like six months. It was a long six months that we were there. Wow. Yeah. yeah well it got really crazy in our supermarket because like they had someone stand at the door and only so many could get in and you had to wait for the other people to do their shopping before you could go in and it was like a one way system so they had to go through every single aisle right and then they would go through the checkouts and that's how they did it yeah I mean, I think that's the best that supermarket's ever done. (laughs) Because, like, if you're stuck in the book aisle, you're like, oh, okay, I'm stuck in the book aisle. I'll look at stuff while I wait. You know, and then... Well, that's a funny thing. Like, they sell local authors more than they sell, like, Harlequin stuff. So people were actually discovering local authors for the very first time, because they dominated the shows so it was good for them like um i kind of wish i had my stuff up there at the time but it takes a lot to get it organized and i was just like damn but they still buy local authors to this day so it's kind of crazy do you find that like locals pick up your stuff just to see what you're doing Yeah. I am like that because I can't read off a Kindle, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all do, we all do. It is, like, my husband, before we moved to Shetland, counted 500 books, because I left him to, I got a job, and I had to go up there, and uh, he had to pack up the whole house, and it's like, he had no idea I had been stashing books under the bed, I had books on the bedside table, I had books in the bathroom, I had books hidden in the, like, every room in the house, there was, like, a book, and he's like, Crystal, there's 500 books in this house. And I was like, so... He's like, we really cannot get any more. Like, no. And then we moved in here, and of course it's like a, it's an old manor. They've split into flats. And I can, I'm looking at my large living room, and I know I've got two massive bookcases. A small bookcase is full. And in the hall, there's like five, and they're full. And there's a bookcase sitting to be built in our spare room. And my husband's like, no idea where I'm going to put this. (laughs) He's just like, there's no more room here, Crystal. Like, stop buying books. But it is, it's like addiction. It's like you, you know, and I say to him, it's better me to be addicted to books than it is for me to be addicted to something else. Exactly, and it's funny you say that because I have a totally good book re- book recommendation that you'll love. It's called Book Eater. So imagine vampirism, but with books. Seriously, no, you think like, Honestly, you check it out? It is a fantasy horror, but it is so funny. It really kind of looks at the English class system and how the English class system worked but in the setting of people who either eat brains or they eat books. It's just totally out there, totally different. Yeah, Sunny Dean, I had her on the show, and I was like, I was on the feds, I'm like, I don't do horror. And then it's not really horror, it's just I think the marketing group for her publisher didn't really know where to put it, so it got put down as fantasy horror. And I'm like, is. Really horror, to be fair. I would say gory, but I wouldn't say horror gory. Like it's not a Stephen King kind of style. So it's different. Yeah, and I I just love like. When you look at the vast amount of different authors that are coming into our world now, like you're getting a world, almost a global experience, because you've got a lot of Asian writers now that are really breaking through, and their stories are taken from myths and fairy tales they've grown up with, and they're completely worlds different to what we're reading, and I think it's just like. Yeah, it's crazy. I read the Orange... Um, Priority of the Orange Tree, I think it was called. I, it's a massive book, don't get me wrong. It, like, It's a hardback. If you hit it with somebody, you know, hit that with some on someone, it would do some serious damage. But the craftsmanship of the fantasy world, the maps that was in it, it was just so well thought out. I was I was blown away, and I I don't tend to go for huge fantasy reads. I will tend to go towards the sort smaller ones, easier ones, because my list's pretty damn big, especially with me at university. And so yeah, I I was blown away. I read it over this uh, couple of years, and I I totally fell in love with it. I couldn't get my mum to read it, but yeah, it was it was. It's good, it's it's that good that I actually have the pre-order for the second one. And I never do that. Like, I never pre-order books unless it's from my husband. So yeah, this could be interesting. So, for you, is there been a book lately that you say was stuck with you the most? I've heard of it in passing, because like some other people have said to me, "Oh, this is this is a really good one. You should check it out." And I'm like, "Okay, like my TBR isn't big enough." So that'll be your next, like, latest, yeah, you know, latest addiction will be that one, I suppose. And then there's all those ones where you think, oh, this will be a bestseller, and then you watch and nothing happens, and you're like, how could they not love this? Like, how could they not buy this? Like, yeah, I've, I've been in that position, yeah. don't use TikTok. I'm really, really behind. (laughs) It's hard though, because like we have such intense lives. Like everyone thinks all we do is sit at the computer when actually we don't. We have like arcs to read for other people. We have social media that like takes up most of our week. And then we have to like balance in writing time, family time. It's insane, like I don't know how we all sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I in a way I feel for everybody that lives in the US because you have to have jobs to have your health insurance, don't you? And then you see the ones that are like, do you really, really make it big? And they post these videos on Instagram of them with a chef and living in a penthouse and having staff. And you're like, then us lower, I always say lower pegged authors have to deal with people thinking that we're all rich and that we all live in big houses with maids and we don't do shopping and we don't, you know, we don't live normal lives, which is crazy to me. Which is nuts. Yeah. yeah, I've just agreed to do that, and it is terrifying for me because I've always written it at my own pace and I was sort of taking my time because quality to me is more important than quantity, and. This this publisher came to me and she's like, no, she's like, I need you to have a set number you come out with, not every couple of years or whatever, just seriously, you need to jump and do this. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then I was like, really? Was that the, this is a good idea. <laughs> That can do it. Yep. Yeah, like, we all need that break. Yeah. Like, I, I built up a stockpile. And I'm lucky I did. Like, so I can take my time but then give her whatever she needs. So I feel lucky in that because I took so many years away from publishers and I said, I need to focus on me and what I want to write, not what I have been assigned to write, but just write. And I'm so grateful I did. Like, because I had burnout. Like, we all all do 10 years and then we get burnt. And we need that break. We need to like go, go away, socialize, get our heads back, and then we can start again. But during that, however long it takes, you're losing interest from readers because you're not constantly churning out social media or you know material for them to see, and you're not in their faces all the time on social media, so they forget about you. So when you when you step back into it it's almost like starting from scratch again. Yeah. it does it's is a nightmare yeah like i've i've noticed um fiverr.com is really good as well because you can go on there and you can get artistic you know material for like 5 bucks they could do like an entire month oh yeah so do i But no, like you can go on Etsy, and it'll be, in you know, it'll be designers that are just starting out, or it'll be marketing people that are looking to get their feet wet because they've just come out of university or whatever. And it's good because you can get them at a lower price, and you can have that pre-built into your into your schedule. But I always stress, like with writing, newbies need to know the discipline that you need to put in you need to kind of almost put your put your other life on hold and say, right, okay, until this is running itself or until I can get it running myself, I gotta be super disciplined. Not losing myself in Google for six hours because I'm searching for the answer to one question that's bothering the hell out of me. Like, not getting distracted by family. Just making sure that every day I do at least one thing. Whether it's five thousand words, whether it's doing posts, whether it's, you know, doing the podcasts, which is my thing. I have to make sure I do one thing a day. And discipline is so important to our life. Yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah, like especially like if you're like, okay, I'm gonna write two thousand words, and then you get a question in the story, and you haven't researched the question, and then you're like, oh, I'll just Google that, and then the next time you look at the clock, it's six hours gone, and you need to go, you know, make dinner and eat something, because you got to go to bed in two hours. Yeah, it, but it is like that. Like I've, I've seen it happen to me. Like I did a, a YA. And I was lucky, I was in the hospital, so I wasn't eating, I had a tube, I had, like, I was ill. I was so, so ill. And I couldn't sleep for three weeks. Three weeks I couldn't sleep. They had, to lit- I literally just couldn't sleep because they couldn't give my medication to me to make me sleep. So I wrote a 100,000 words in three weeks. And it took me a month to edit it. <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't realize just like how much of a mess it was um, but I did it like I just lying in an ICU I would either be reading or I would be writing. and the nurses thought this was insane you know I'm, I'm lying there I've got a collapsed lung I'm trach so I can't talk to anybody which means I can't get distracted and I was just it super visually focused me and then I had to like readjust when everything changed and I was back home and I'm like Oh, I I gotta learn to do all this again, but remember to go eat my dinner and, you know, actually drink stuff and remember that I'm human and I can't just, you know, spend eight hours writing flat out, so... Yeah, it's time to get up and and go eat something and then take them out. Yeah. Well, I've got two um kittens who are really good at that. I've got one that can tell time. And I yeah, like I honest to god think he can he can look at a clock and be like, "I know what time it is. You better feed me." Um, so yeah, the, it's an hour before their dinner is supposed to co- happen, they will actually come and they will start harassing me. And it'll be, mama this, mama that, and they will just, I have ended up with black eyes with like the head butts they do, because I've got one that tries to fit his entire head in your eye socket. Because he knows, so you can't ignore that. Which, you know, not fun. But (laughs) Uh, My husband gets it worse Because he will get petted The cat will lift his paw And he'll stroke him So softly So he gets petted And that's the way that they annoy him Um, But once they're fed They'll go to sleep and they'll let me write Until it's like their next meal time And then they'll come back again So I've kind of learned that And also they don't like me To not be in bed by a certain time, so they will tell me, "Hey, mom, it's bedtime," and I just don't get any peace till I go to bed. But one of the things I will say to people for stopping burnout is don't take your work into the bedroom. Like have that time to read, to to watch stuff with your partner, talk to your partner, which is something a lot of us don't do, and. You know just take that time to de-stress your brain do crafts whatever it is just chill yourself out and then you'll be much more put together the next day and especially if you've got writer's block because you can actually sleep and your brain will figure out the problem by the time you wake up would you agree with that Same. Yeah, like I'm I'm working my way through Jane Eyre, so if I'm doing dishes or in the shower, the audiobook's on. But if I go to bed, I'm like <sighs> Netflix or the news or like something that I know my brain is not gonna really pay attention to, so I can get to sleep. Um, mental note: Wrestling doesn't put me to sleep, so. <laughs> Yeah, I've learned that the hard way. Um, Also, I have a tendency to act out my, like, in my sleep, I will act things out, so I will start trying to wrestle my husband. Um, So yeah, he's aware on the nights I watch wrestling, he'll, like, pad me in with pillows and just be like, yeah, just you stay there. (laughs) So yeah, I I always apologize, because I had a, a, I had a, like, a kind of, like, plastic cast thing on my hand. They call it a stookie in Scotland. Um, I had injured my hand while typing on my computer. I dislocated my thumb and a couple of finger joints just by hitting the space bar too hard. (laughs) So um, yeah, they put me in the stookie and I had watched wrestling, fell asleep, and I, I literally apparently threw a punch right across my pillow into Ian's throat. So he woke up and he's like, (gasps) I'm still sound asleep, totally out of it. Next morning, I get up and he's like, You hit me in the throat last night with your cast. And I'm like, Sorry. Oops. So, yeah. In my brain, yeah, because I was wrestling for like. I was in a triple threat, and I, I was getting my ass kicked, and then I turned around and I won, and I'm like, you know? So yeah. But a lot of my wrestling friends will say, I have, I'm like a sponge around wrestling, I just soak it up. And I actually started writing through wrestling, I I mentored under somebody, and I learned characterizations and building worlds and all that kind of stuff from him. And then I went into publishing. So I felt really lucky that I had done that because it gave me a good basis for then going on to write really detailed worlds that other people wouldn't know and figuring out ways to explain it so people could understand it. Um, you know, when I did Marie's World, which by the way, I can announce today that it will be released with uh, my new publisher, Taiham Publishing, and it will be all of the 32 book series. Which is a lot, now that I see it out loud. Yeah, yeah. I got the first five that's already been out, and they're going to recover them, you know, put a little bit extra in there, and then relaunch them. Um, and it is, it's set in the world of, what would you do if your twin sister released all your diaries? Like, you're famous, you're living your life, you're you know you've done some stuff to get to where you are and you're writing high and then your sister releases all your secrets in a tell-all book with your actual diary entries in there how do you yeah like how do you rebuild that relationship and then of course you've got all your dirts out there, so you've got ex-boyfriends and estranged husbands who will now want to be back in her life, this perfect little life she's built herself so Marie's got this kind of awful situation she's dealing with and then you're seeing the twin who's totally naive going and living in the world that she's wants to be involved in but doesn't understand so you kind of get that parallel of of two very very different worlds and then it's how everybody reacts to these two because it's not just her twin's life she's blown up she's blown up the owner of a wrestling company she's leaked her dad's secrets to the world she's put her half sister in the most god awful position possible she's now stuck between them and she's in a company with Marie they have studios, dance studios all across America that she kind of runs and now She's scared the business is going to bomb because of all these big scandals that's now coming out. And Marie takes off. She goes back to Scotland to escape this entire nightmare scenario. And you just, I I always feel for the the, the half-sister who's kind of like stuck between these two. (laughs) Because she's like the one that gets the most crap, I think. (laughs) Because she's the one that's like, so I run the business, so I have to get these two to get along, but I also have to protect them, and I don't know what to do. so I always felt for her she's she's always my soft spot, but yeah, and it was great. I mean i I created wrestling romance when wrestling romance wasn't a thing. I think that's the great thing if you can bring original concepts into this world where you know there's there's millions of stories out there but every story i think has a uniqueness about it there's nothing that's a hundred percent like a different story there is that uniqueness out there and i think when we're reading stuff and we're socializing like we're doing here on the book and Life podcast. We're expanding our worlds and we're coming through with much more fresher ways to tackle issues or get messages out there or support one another or encourage community, you know, bonds or help families figure out how to navigate the drama of everyday life. Because if we're all honest, family life now is really drama filled for all of us because everyone's got a phone everyone's on their phones all the time you know and it's instant gratification like people are always on instagram they're always on facebook they're always on twitter they're on tiktok so there's there's much more sway in culture and media now on our relationships and how we deal with those relationships do you kind of agree with that Yeah, and I think, I mean, everyone says libraries are now, you know, they're not, they're not worth putting money in, and I know a lot of libraries are shutting down in the UK, and I think that's the biggest mistake, because libraries offer people who maybe don't have access to the sort of, you know, who can't afford to go in and buy a book. You know, and it it helps keep that class divide smaller because they're able to get the knowledge, they're able to read they're able to understand the world in a different way and it helps reduce the hate. But the more these libraries shut down the more we're going to see that gap build and the more we're going to see hate build and the more we're going to see these awful things in the news about mass shootings and police brutality, all that's just going to get worse because we're not dealing with the issue and the issue is this huge divide and these these preconceptions that everybody has so i Exactly, and I I know from when I was in Shetland, the library was so important during the summer because during the summer they didn't have things on for kids, like you know youth clubs shut down and, and all this sort of things happened. And I just found it like a safe haven because I would go in and get books out, and that's the only reason I can read is because my my grandmother was like, "No, you're going to have the ability to read no matter what it is you pick up." And she really drilled that into me over summers that she took care of me when my mother was working or my dad was working. And even when I was writing, I would go to the library and I'd be like, hey, I've got this question or mm, do you have any stories about this? Or, And I could sit and I could do this research and they every year they ran writing contests to try and get children to engage in literacy and writing, kind of expand the writing skills. and. I'm so glad they did because there's such great authors that's come out of my hometown and are doing well and, and are well known for what they've done and I think libraries, you know, if we hadn't had the library system in Shetland that would never have happened and, you know, there would be a lot more trouble in the islands than what there is because kids would be so caught up in you know, media and what the media shows and I know from working with teenagers, they all think they need to be gangsters and in gangs, and and that's just not what we want for our young people. Yeah, it's crazy. It's good though that you like we can have these kind of conversations and and agree on things that other people won't talk about because it's it's topics that either make them uncomfortable or they've never really taken the time to sit and think about. So if you had time to just sit and read and enjoy books, what series and author would you read? Now you get a different author for the series and one that you just normally read. It is, yeah. to read everything Yep. but that's good because you're getting like a totally unique perspective if you know what I mean like you're getting to have that expansive world and to be involved in that I think that's incredible. Mm I couldn't imagine writing 9,000 words. It happens to the best of us. worth doing it. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. 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 Exactly, yeah. that's such a high recommendation too because if there's somebody that you enjoy that much you just want to go get lost in their stuff and i think that's that's just super important and it's it's nice to just get lost in it and to to kind of float away almost for me i used to be um rachel Kane was my favorite author till she passed And of course you get to that point where you've read everything and you kept all their books and you know that kind of feeling um so i had to kind of expand my horizons i grew up a catherine cookson chick you know i i wanted to i wanted to be the the scottish catherine cookson um you know this great historical writer who suffered from severe depression and uh, health illnesses and wasn't able to have kids. And she goes on to write these incredible stories with, you know, tackling subjects at that time nobody was talking about, you know, interracial relationships, uh, women equality, domestic abuse, mental health, disability, kind of, you know, how people treat people with disability. Um, and she really went after that and she did it in her everyday voice. She wrote it in such a way that you felt like she was telling you the story but you were also living it at the same time. And I think that to me like I go back to her when I need a reminder of why I'm writing. Like I need to kick up the arse. I go to her and I'm like I need I need to know. I need to I need that feeling again. Um so I always recommend her. If you're wanting something that's even to this day, her books actually tie in with what's going on, you know, and she's been gone since 1995, um, but her work's living on. Decades later, people are still reading her and still discovering this message she has, but, yeah. yeah and one of the things one of the things I said when I took on this podcast was I was going to keep her alive because she changed the game for so many of us being the fact she's dyslexic, being the fact she suffered from mental health, being the fact she suffered with a a disease that we can now cure but we couldn't cure when she was ill um, just made it like kind of like a thing i'm like i don't want people to forget her i don't want people to think oh she was a dame and now the queen's gone so she should be gone too she changed historical writing historical fiction forever but she also wrote historical romance and people don't realize a lot of her stuff has, has a romantic story element to it but she also doesn't sugarcoat that time period she, she will say, this is exactly how it was people lived in caves, people lived wherever they could there wasn't welfare, there wasn't this safety net for people who fell and I think, you know, that to me is a sign of somebody that should be a classic that we should be learning about in school that we should be knowing on a deeper level um, so I always say on the show like, if somebody likes to just discover a world that is completely unique, I always recommend pick up one of her books and give it a read and I guarantee you'll not regret it. Wow, that is a totally different pen name too. It's not like a... You know one that would like jump out at you As being her That's like a completely Completely different kind of take on it Isn't it Right Yeah I wonder how she keeps it all like in her head like is there is there a big you know corkboard and she has like the different series is mapped out on it or like how does she kind of keep it all straight It's all there It is, yeah And mate notes Yeah yeah i have i have that i actually had to go back into marie's world because i thought there was a dog in the book series and i (laughs) don't. i have no idea where that came from and i had this i woke up one night and i was just sweating like i was in this utter panic about oh gosh oh gosh is there a dog in the series did i forget about the dog and i literally had to pour over the print because i always keep print printed copies of my novels and i was just like going through them looking for this dog and then i realized i just ramped it but i'd gone through all five just to make sure and ever since then everything's bullet pointed every chapter's broke down every character i keep track of what their hair color is from book to book because marie dyes her hair a lot like, she dyes her hair a lot. So, like, I have to remember, is it ginger in this one? Is it red pink in this one? Like, what? what is her color scheme at the moment? And her color scheme actually matches her mood. So, I have to kind of keep that in mind. You know, red and black is her in a fight. Or, you know, orange and red is her performing with her sister. And Layla might dye her hair pink when she's, you know, business-orientated. And she'll dye parts of it red when she's working with her sister and I had to keep track of all that. Um because, you know, famous people love to dye their hair. I know, right? It's good to remember who you killed off, too. Yeah. (gasps) No way. (laughs) That's why editors are so important. yeah like you could have spun that in like a thread of the story where you're like oh uh to you know he's going under an alias for whatever reason like you could totally play around with that and make it kind of crazy i know that like with my series the the wrestling matches was the hardest part for me because i had to remember who was wrestling who what what they did to each other, um, who won, if there was a title involved, if there wasn't, that was the hardest part for me. So, I was so lucky at a co-author who's very detail-orientated to the point where he drives me insane, and he would be like, these guys have done this, or let's not go through this again, like... You know, and he would really pull me back from the edge, because I'm one of these writers that will write myself right off the cliff. <laughs> and then he's like, where do you go from there, Crystal? And I'm like, walking it back. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, like, I, honestly, I, I couldn't thank my editors enough for the amount of times they've pulled me aside and gone, you went in a tangent and a half, like, here, and I have no idea where you're going. You know, come back. You know, walk that back so that we can keep the story going straight. Um, yeah, I I, would, I don't know what I would do without without editors. So, is there an author, past, present, who's influenced, inspired, and made you excited about books? You get three authors for this. Right. Of course, yeah. Wow. Of course, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think if you... Yeah, and I think you need to be able to update it so that you're taking in every generation so you're not losing a generation. Um, And that's really important because it keeps keeps your legacy going, I think, further and longer. Exactly, yeah. And that's and that's a good way of doing it and it makes your your archive really important. So who's your other two? Oh yeah, sorry. Sorry, you're right. I got so caught up in that story I just like totally forgot the other two. Um Yeah, yeah. it just disappears and you're like dead silence Ugh. yeah no i've i've been there when you go to a bookstore what where do you go where are you most drawn to I do as well, yeah. doing that too I just love that yeah they are yeah. I I love that as well because my husband, it, you know, he'll take me to a bookstore and I will just vanish for an hour or two and he'll go and he'll look, he'll go to other stores that's around by, but I will just be like, i look around and I might pick up six books or I might pick up two books and then I'll go at the cafe and he'll find me in the cafe and I'll be sitting with whatever I've picked up and I'll be like and he'll be like don't you have enough to read at (laughs) home but you can't help it it's it's like it yeah I like I totally when I had the pandemic and I had to do it through Amazon it just wasn't the same it just really wasn't so moving into writing how did you go about creating the darker characters um that you have in your storyline It's not a technique you came up with, it's one you stole somewhere, yeah. Exactly. Exactly and it's it's funny you say that because when I, I took on the worst kind of inspiration where I was like I want to write a book from inside the mind of a cyber terrorist or a terrorist and I want to sort of see what would make somebody snap to turn on their own country and to do the things that they do. And at the same time, I also wrote the girl that stops him story. So you get the parallel of her losing her family, losing her life as she knows it because now she's being picked up and she's in special custody because she's got to do this um, mission to stop it. And it's, it's that whole journey of understanding what's motivated him but what's also motivated her that I think is really, really powerful. It's terrifying when I wrote it because it was like such a dark power and entity was in me at the time that I wrote it and it really pushed me to kind of just see how far I could go with it and what would happen with it and I think, yeah, that sort of journey and being able to explore that darker elements but also be able to realise people are human, they're not all bad, they're not all good. There is those kind of sides to each other, whether it's they like animals or whether they have a soft spot for their mother or whatever it is, there's always that other side to somebody. And to make a character whole, you need to be able to present more than one side. Exactly. style, yeah. Yeah. And I will definitely keep you in mind for when blood comes out so you can see how I really kind of dived into the psychology side of things and use that as my motivation for pushing that story forward all the time. It was a very character driven story. You know, um, I terrified my editor the first time she read it. She's she's like, I had to put it in a drawer. She's like, I had to just take it, put it in a drawer, lock the drawer just in case it crawled out, you know, totally wigged her out of it. And I had spent my entire life writing romance, so to, to make that jump was such a huge shock to her. But it was just an idea that came to me one day, and I just, I couldn't stop writing it. Yeah, of course, yes. it's very difficult yeah and it No, it's a love story tragedy. Yeah, it's it's a Mm. touch it with a barge pole. Yeah, and I've seen that. I've seen that too. I was part of the America uh, Romance Association as well. I've been in. I felt like i i got i got inducted by sylvia day into the into the association so i was i was just blown away um but yeah like when i even marie's world there's always that happy ending for now at the end of every every book and i really made a point in doing that so that i would stay in the association but there was always this part of me that was like but i want to write other genres like I don't want to just be a romance writer for the rest of my life I want to be able to go and explore because I think the more you explore the more when you go back to romance you have a much more de- depth to what you're doing and I still laugh because like I'm now in that position where I'm about to be you know one under my real name one under Mick Carrington which is my pen name and then I'll have another one where, you know, crime, you have to have a kind of male-sounding title, like, you know, pen name, so that people will actually pick you up. So, like, I had to understand this huge difference. And I'm still wrapping my brain around it. Even though I've got a publisher that says, write whatever the hell you want and we'll do it, I still have that kind of insecurity and understanding of all the lessons I learned at cro uh, Association to take a step back and remember that everything has to be kept separate and you know if i get a reader that transcends all three great if i don't that's okay because i have to keep all three separate um and that's what i recommend to anybody out there remember keep your romance readers in your romance bracket and you're you know if you're writing a thriller make sure it's thriller readers you're promoting to and not both and Unless it is a romantic thriller. But understand the rules of what you're doing in each section and try and keep it in that section. I'd be like, what the hell? Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy because I've I had to put a lot of time in when I was burnt out to research other things had right and I think just going and reading research took a lot of pressure off me um, so I was able to go and say pull pull apart the brain of a detective in the states to try and understand how they did things and then comparing it to somebody here and I, I just sort of went on this adventure and knowing that my pen name was like that sort of barrier between me and the readers a little bit gave me that security and feeling okay well I can go and ask these questions and I can go snoop around and people won't necessarily um, ask too many questions Uh, so yeah I think I always say to, to writers pen names are important but also try and pick pen names that people can easily remember, people can easily say and that sticks with people as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah exactly, like I, have been trying to work out what my crime pen name is going to be, and I'm nowhere near it. I'm just, I'm just not. Um, I kind of hope it's just going to pop in my head at some point. Uh, <laughs> but so far, nothing and it's it's weird uh, eventually I'll get to that point where you know it'll it'll come through and it'll be easy to understand, so I hope yeah, that one will be hard. Jalen would be good. Cause if you think on it, it could be a boy or it could be a girl name, Jalen. And then you could just find a last name that fits, or you could be like an author with just a first name. Well, I mean, it worked for her, I you know, and it, you know, there's like Beyonce, and there's like, you know, it's just a thing now, isn't it really? Yeah. Exactly. hmm It makes it easier, too, because it, it can sort of be like... Okay, well, I'm doing this, but there's that kind of. As I said, it's like you you've got your personal life, and then you've got your professional life. It gives you that kind of that wall that you know you can go in and do your professional life, but then you can come back and you can close the door, and then you're that you're, you're yourself again. Um, and I think a lot of women are finding that easier as well. And if somebody in their local area figures out that they're that author is not it's not as easy to figure it out, you know, and I think that's really important. When I went back after I'd started publishing, I was a bit nervous, because I stole Mick Carrington from my family tree, and I thought, you know, oh gosh, like, somebody's gonna put this together, and nobody in the local community ever did. It wasn't until I sort of said, yeah, I'm i Mick Carrington, that they were like, holy crap, you know, it was that, that realization. Um... But yeah, like I, I think it's it plays a more important part than I think people realize. So why do you think you chose the genres that you did? Like, what what do you think drove you to to cozies and, and to write all these different genres? into that too, yeah I own all of them yep Yeah. Exactly, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And that's the thing, like you just never know what's going to take off and what, what's going to have that huge impact on you and on your career. So when you're putting your book together in your head, is it a jigsaw or is it a movie? What, what's your process? We all do that, I think. <laughs> we all get sucked into Google at some point. Yeah. Like, I, I totally get it. I, I, when I was writing the World War II, but I was like, whoa, what happened to the Spanish royal family? Like, it was just a random question popped in my head. Because I know what happened with the Norwegian family, and I know what happened to the Danish family. But I was like, whoa, 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 what what happened to the Spanish? And then I, st- I just fell in this hole. Of trying to track down, well, well, who was, you know, who was alive, and who ended up becoming the new monarch, and, and going through that, and I realised I can't use it. Like, after six hours of looking, I was like, I can't use any of this, and I felt like an idiot that I spent six hours just deep diving into something that, you know, I, I ended up not being able to use, but that is the, the hardship of being a writer, is you, you get curious about things. And, and you do. Yeah, it might it might be useful in the future if the series continues on. But uh, at this moment in time, no. <laughs> Which is the character that stayed with you the most that you've written, or the longest one that you've never quite shook? Yeah, of course, yeah. Exactly, and it, it's weird because, like, I go away and I write sort of other worlds, and and the only way I can explain my mind is when I go into the writing zone, I open this door, and there's all these trail paths, and I never quite know which one's gonna lead to what series, and I can just you know I go right or I go straight ahead or I go left, and I I end up in these these worlds, these just gigantic worlds. And in a way, I have to kind of mark it in my mind where I am on that trail. And I just have to follow it to the end. Sometimes I'll get pulled off the trail and I'll be like, oh, I have to go because, you know, my my editor wants this or my publisher wants that. And I'll go and I'll have to write something else. But... Yeah, it, but it, it... That's the thing. Like, I mean, Marie's world, there's going to be a huge kill. Um... A character is going to get killed off in it. And I won't say who, because it'll give it away. Well, it, yeah, it's not Marie, but one of the one of these sisters is... You know, like, one of the family is going to die. Um, and it's going to change the course of the entire series. And I know almost, like, when that book comes out and people start reading it, I will be, like, the first one hiding under the sofa, (laughs) you know, not, not wanting to see, like, yeah, the responses and stuff, I know it's gonna be pretty brutal, um, but yeah. Yeah, like, do I keep reading or do I, like, just close it now? Like, it's that awful kind of situation now. And I have a feeling my my, my editor is going to fight me on this, (laughs) so whether or not I get to do it, it'll be, like, a different story, but um, it was such a pivotal, kind of, we plotted this 32-book series back in, like, 2012, and my co-author and me, we just sat for days on Skype, like, I was getting up at, like, 6 in the morning to Skype with him, and we would work for, like, two, three hours on the series, and by the time we finished, it was 32 books. And we just knew that that moment where, you know, one of the family member dies had to happen. It had to happen for the series to be able to finish the way we wanted it to. And I'm almost scared. Like, I think, honestly, the day that that releases and people will read it, I will be, like, hiding. I won't be online. <laughs> I'll be, like... right anywhere there my phone can't reach me because I'm pretty sure a lot of people will be upset but it I think it's important though because life isn't all sunshine and roses and and that's basically what we try to highlight in the book is you don't know when your time's up or you don't know when something's going to happen um and that was that was important for me I I can sympathize actually with that. Yeah. I can sympathize with that. Is there a character you've got that you wish you could write more about? That you've maybe not gone back and explored? Like, how is that marriage, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that first year of marriage, too, there's so much that happens. Like, that first year determines whether you guys are going to last for, like, a long time or whether you're going to, you know, burn out within that first sort of, I think it's like 18 months most people's arrive. So I think that story in itself, if you're able to go back and tell that, it would be so powerful. i know that feeling i feel your pain on that i really do because there's like ones i'll be like oh i really wish i could go back and write that but i can't and yeah like i always have books like that and i'm just like i really really just want to to nail that book and get it perfect and move on with it so moving into your life what is the first thing you do when you want to de-stress from the world of editing and writing a job and everything else Oh. Yep. That that's my argument to everyone like I look at my two kittens and they're like my my kids. Like I tell them off like they're my kids. And I, you know, always been like that. Um, and it's funny, because I... Yeah, I do. Oh, gosh, I talk to them all the time. And you can actually see them rolling their eyes. They've started doing that in the last year, where one of them just looks at me, and he... Yeah, and he opens his eyes really big so I can see, and then he just circles his eyes. And I'm like... Really? Did you just roll your eyes at me? Um... You know, especially the youngest one. He he tends to do it the most. He'll sit on the end of the bath and I'll be trying to figure out something. And he'll... Because he, I do it all the time with, with different people. I, you know, if they're talking a lot rubbish and I can't turn around and say, you're talking a lot wrong, rubbish, I'll just roll my eyes. Um, so I think they've picked it up from me, but it's so frustrating when they do it to me. It's like, honestly, they're just tired of the conversations. They're like... They'll mm. look anywhere but you. <laughs> so yeah... I mean, but yeah, I couldn't have gotten through it. Okay. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, I've done that too. Yeah. should try out the abandoned um, it's like abandoned mansions and they basically will go and they will look for these abandoned towns and these abandoned places and sometimes everything's been left there and they basically explain, like they deep dive the places they go to and then they explain and try and solve the mystery of why that place has just been abandoned and I those if I watch one I end up watching more like I will lose my whole day if I if I give in to one. <sighs> yep. It is. It is. And there's so much rubbish in there, and you're like, "What? Why would you do this to yourself?" You know. Um, the other. Exactly, like uh, I've also caught myself watching Adventures with Purpose so they are a group of people that will go out and they will try and find vehicles with maybe family members in them um, they started off just trying to clean up the waterways of America they would go travel around and remove cars and junk from the, the waterways and then they got really dragged into uh, unsolved crimes or, or missing people And they would go and they would search water areas for these people, and then they would pull them out. Um, And I think they don't do it for money. It's It's a charity thing. And that, to me, just was so powerful. Like, they've solved cases that police couldn't solve because they don't have the resources to send divers into these waterways or these water areas to look for people they don't have the right sonar systems they don't know how to use the right solar systems because they're not trained to do so yeah i got totally lost in them and i can't promote them enough honestly because wow well, they you know they think they give up their lives travel around the country to do that for for families that can't even they they couldn't afford to hire people to do that you know <laughs> there is yeah i, I i've seen it because it was funny my my family member um all he watches is youtube it's like his addiction um and he'll tell me about stuff to go check out and like he can lose his entire day doing stuff like that i'd rather be on netflix but you know he likes this and yeah so i'm totally with you on that but I would, if you're if you're wanting a really kind of positive, uplifting, suspense kind of situation, I would try the um, Adventure with Purpose. You may even cry. Yeah, might, might even cry. So, what hobbies do you enjoy, and are there ones you wish you could explore more of? I think we're all like that, aren't we? <laughs> So what do you think of like the, the book crates that do the sort of the illustrations, like the, the fairy lutes and the Aluma crates? Have you seen any of their work? Well, when you're talking about illustration and the artwork, they basically now will print these beautiful covers and when you open them up, they'll be like a scene from the novel inside. And then when you open the front of the book, there's artwork that somebody has spent a lot of time designing and they print these into the books. And it's it makes the books really like a one off kind of exclusive. And I wondered if you'd seen any of that and what your thoughts were. Course, yeah. Yeah. To make that back, yeah. Like, I, I think if you've been doing it a while and you know you're going to make sales, then doing something like that is worth it because it makes you stand out a little bit more and it gives the readership another excuse to go buy that particular novel. Um, I would love to one day have a, a novel, yeah, like starting, you, you don't have that budget, you don't have that money, but I think when you've been there for a while, I would love to get to the point where I can emboss some of my books with, you know, a more 3D title that maybe shimmers or maybe stands out a little bit more, um, but you have to work to that. Like, you have to work to these moments. Uh, If you check out Fairy Crate, uh, Fairy Loop right now, they've got a Brandon Anderson uh, one-off edition hardback that's just absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. Um... Well, my dream is to one to get picked up by a big mainstream publisher where I don't need to think about what the you know, what's being done with the covers and stuff and knowing that the covers will just be great. And, you know. I don't mind doing that. I just I, I like you know when you're arguing and you're like that's not the character or that's not the theme of the you know. Yeah. 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 I'm the same. you end up choosing actors like because you see them in something and it, it just sticks with you oh that's that could be somebody that's a character in my book It is. <laughs> I know the feeling. I, I do, but it's good to get another perspective on like what, you know, these, um, over the top books are kind of like and, um, you know that kind of thing. So, I myself have a, a long term illness that makes me slow down and appreciate the day. What's what makes you slow down smell the roses? What's your thing? Yeah. yeah. No, I think I think our animals are are just huge parts of our family and are parts of our lives that we can cherish and be grateful for. <laughs> so, where's your favorite place to curl up and read? I know that feeling, or a cat that you you can use as a as a book sort of stand, yeah. Yes, they're good for th- It is it, it I know that feeling too and it, it could be just such a, a nice stress relief as well. So we've come to the word game part of the, the show, which means you survived the podcast and now we're going to have a bit of fun, or at least the listeners like uh, to hear these crazy answers we always come up with. So your first word is summer. Oh, okay. I suppose that's different, yeah. how but warm. So it could be warm weather, it could be just warm rays on your face. Okay. Well, that's warm. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one. How about sunshine? where you're going with it yeah okay fields yeah there's sun yeah so you've got fields as your next one yeah you're gonna have to explain that one Big change. Yeah. yeah. What if? Yeah. You can feel the passion, it's worth it, yeah. I, I totally agree on that one. True. What about mountains? sounds interesting. Um, what about lakes? No, but I, it makes me think of the Flint water crisis for some reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I get where you're going with it now, yeah. yeah because just when you said flint and i was like oh michigan flint town in michigan oh i don't know why but i just instantly i went there you know because of the whole news thing that's been going on with them what about river okay i wasn't expecting that I like that. It, yeah, it, I I I have heard of it in passing. I just haven't had the opportunity to pick it up and actually sort of dive into it. Um, mainly because you know, you know the way it is. Like you get our come in or whatever. Yeah, like if if. You, yeah, exactly. Like you have to eat clean. And, uh, exactly. Yeah so that's you made it through the podcast see it was not as painful as you thought yeah Uh, as I said you're more than welcome to come back when you have a new novel out Um, we love having authors back because this is a get to know you um, show and then from here we then go on and we do kind of we just focus on your books that's coming out and we talk more about how you wrote it what your process was what the characters are and, and we really deep dive into that um, but it has been an absolute honor to have you on. I was so delighted you got back to me on Facebook because um, I wasn't thinking, you know, um, but yeah, I will have to have you back. Well, folks, uh, as I said, that's the end of the podcast. We've got another bestseller who's coming back on the show and I can't wait to share them with you. So you'll have to stick around to see who's going to be appearing next.